0: If there is one big trend that took off in the last two years, that would be diligently updating content. It's not new, but people have seen the best bang for their buck in SEO when updating old content versus creating new content. So in today's episode, we dive deep into the topic, share our experiences, and tell you how to get the most out of this process. So let's get started.
1: Welcome to the Authority Hacker podcast. No hype, no BS, no censorship. Just real-life online marketing tactics. And now your hosts, Gail Breton and Mark Webster.
0: Hey guys, welcome to the podcast. Today, as usual, I'm with Mark and he put in notes that I need to ask him what we, he's done recently. So,
1: Oh man, always breaking the fourth wall, always breaking the fourth wall. So that is a not-so-subtle way of introducing the fact that we're actually, both Gail and I are actually working on several six in fact authority hacker pro blueprint updates and new blueprints as well so really like quite a lot on our plate right now and i think if anyone's interested in authority hacker pro which hasn't been released for two years can you believe that two years gail how silly are we for not
0: selling that It's like Just just switch to another business podcast, guys. It's just not the right one, this one. But anyway, no, it's like we actually had some people join from the shotgun Facebook blueprint. There was an option.
1: For those who don't know, who maybe have joined Authority Hacker, started following us, started listening in the last two years, you might be thinking, what the hell is this Authority Hacker Pro thing? Never heard of that before. There's no mention of that on your site under the products link. Well, glad you asked. Authority Hacker Pro is what was initially our first big product, Whereas the authority site system is the, the beginner course takes you from zero to job replacement income level, Authority Hacker Pro is for people who already do successful online marketing, that you have a site that's making money and you just want to grow it more.
0: Like advanced tactics, basically.
1: Yeah, really advanced tactics. Like we, we don't slow down at all. And systems. Yeah, we're working on a lot of content blueprints for it and also a lot of link building, new link building blueprints for it. So if you like content and links, which I'm presuming
0: that applies to everyone who's listening. I guess you clicked on the podcast anyway, so it's like it's about like content links. Anyway, yeah, it's a lot. Like It's funny because we're talking about updating content in this, um, in this podcast, which is exactly what we're doing with our courses as well. And as I said in the intro, people see the most bang out of their buck for uh, updating their content, and I think it's true. Actually, I should definitely add some kind of a module. We should add some kind of module on a dating content and a content creation blueprint at some point. It is not the initial scope, but I, I might just uh, start it in after releases or something. Because I, I think it's a big one, actually. So yeah, H-Pro, lots of stuff coming in. This year, you already had the Shotgun skyscraper Blueprint as part of H-Pro, actually.
1: Yeah. And actually, yesterday I finished recording another link building blueprint about a different tactic. So our video editor is going to start working on that next week. So if you are already an Authority Hacker Pro member, you can actually get access to that. I think in about three weeks or so. It's usually about how long it takes, but you know, sometime in September, let's say.
0: That content creation blueprint I'm doing as well is just like so many videos. It's like it's like fifty or sixty videos in total. So uh, yeah, it should it should be fun. Uh, it's. Very tiring to do. If you see the video of that podcast, I have like like tired eyes. I mean, I always have tired eyes, but I have more tired eyes today, and that's because it's uh, because we've been recording a lot of videos. So anyway, enough of the teasers. Go on the podcast. Like people in reviews say that they like we don't promote our stuff, so let's just start with this. So yeah, state of the market with content. It's like for two, three, I guess forever. Actually, forever in terms of SEO, it was very, very possible to rank with very outdated content for many keywords, and because. The market was just not that competitive it was fine you could rank with like five six years old content that you haven't touched it's still possible but for the really competitive keywords that make you good money eh, like most pages have been touched in the last few years uh in the last few months even i would say and at this point it's just becoming something that you have to do if you want to rank for these commercial keywords that will make you a lot of money and one thing i've said in intro as well is really if you spend the exact same amount of time and resources updating content that's kind of, you know, like ranking bottom of page one, top of page two type range for their main keywords versus creating a new piece of content, you often get a lot more bang for your buck out of updating that content. Now, we'll talk a little bit about the process, but it's a bit annoying to work with freelance writers to update content, actually. But it works very well because essentially... Google gives you a lot of credit for fresh content. Like it's something that they've done for a long time. It was an update called Google Caffeine. I think it's like eight years ago. I something. it's really old. It's been kind of like pushed. They probably just turned the dial a bit on this recently and like uh, making it more prominent. So you get freshness when you update your content, especially when you update the publish date. At the same time, you also get the links of old pages because you know a lot of people assume that uh, old sites and old pages rank better. I disagree. I think they rank better because they had more time to accumulate links over time. And so as a result, there's a correlation between age and ranking, but it's not because of the age, it's because of the links they've collected over time. And usually your old pages just have more links, even if natural links occur very rarely, even if you get like one a month or something. And this page has been around for three years where you have a diff- like a 36 links pro- to that page that has happened naturally. And so you have the freshness and the links together in one thing, which means that Updated pages now are essentially the best kind of pages that rank the best in Google in the last like two years. And so many SEOs have realized that and many SEOs are putting a ton of effort into updating content versus creating new content. You see entire blogs literally that stopped posting and just started updating content because they make more money doing that essentially. It's an interesting
1: one as well, because it's something that you don't really kind of get, you don't really experience and you don't really think about until you reach a certain point in your site's life cycle. There are many people who start and grow websites and then flip them quite early on. And that's the business model repeatedly. They never even have to consider this or think about this. And indeed, you know, when we were first starting our, our first authority sites, the last thing we were thinking about is, oh, how are we going to update this? in two or three years time kind of thing so there's definitely like a, a bias I guess against beginners in in, in many cases for this and, and there's a valid reason for that you obviously you want to get your you know site off the ground and like focus on the things which are going to move the needle initially but you know having this at the back of your mind especially when it comes to things like writing content in the first place we'll talk in this podcast about a few small tweaks that it really doesn't take very much effort at all. And once you know them and think about them, you'll probably end up doing automatically. They can just be really, really helpful over the long term to mitigate some of the effects of how age is perceived in, in, in content. So we'll get into those in, in a sec as well.
0: I think it fundamentally changes the way you approach building websites in the long term as well. Because, I mean, we have made that mistake where we were like, oh, we just can pump as much content as we can Let's say like, we build a site with a thousand blog posts and we're going to rank for all these keywords, et cetera. The problem is, let's say you have a team of, let's say like, you have three writers working to create content. right? So they create content for like two years in a row, each produce like, I don't know, 10 articles a month or something. You end up with a thousand. I didn't do the math. Uh, you're the math expert on that podcast. <laughs> anyway, so, um. Yeah, exactly a thousand. That's correct. <laughs> so anyway, you get to that point and then all of a sudden, the content decay, like it hits like your content's getting outdated more and more. The first pieces of content you've created get outdated like two, three years later. It kind of keeps going. And if you you don't realize it, but like you basically need more resources if you want to keep producing content because otherwise you're gonna to have to either let a bunch of old content decay and be outdated. Or you're gonna to have to create new content. You need to balance your resources between these two. Um, I think personally, my my opinion is you should not update all content. You should update all content that has had a degree of success before. Every, like whatever people say, I don't know anyone that has a hundred percent success rate with like their SEO unless they're focusing on like three pages in their whole career. It's just like a number game when you do these kind of content size. But you will need to start balancing your resources between updating and creating new content. And all of a sudden. It's a huge thing because if you decide to focus more on new content and let some content decay, then essentially your log of decayed content just increases over time and becomes so overwhelming. And honestly, it happened on the Toy hacker. We have some articles that are still a little bit outdated. We have updated a lot this year. We've updated like our top 50 articles like quite well, but it's something that we kind of ignored a little bit too long. And as a result, we ended up with like really quite outdated content. So for example, I know there is this article like to set up an amazon site which is fairly up to date but the demo site expired and of course some pbn guy just bought it and made a pbn on it <laughs> so we had to so we had to rebuild it
1: of course you know i, I love the seo community sometimes yeah, so. it's
0: like so helpful so generous it's just nice you know like people are like they mean good to you anyway uh, <laughs> that happened and so we have to rebuild our whole site etc we just did actually we need to upload uh, i need to edit the piece but and we need to upload it but that's the kind of stuff that that will happen to your content and it will get outdated and people complain and people and over time as you get outdated your your content will actually stop ranking as it gets uh, less user signals less links etc like you pick up less things than your competition etc and you essentially pay for that so it's something that can be a little bit like a, a snowball effect where you it's tiny at the beginning. And then if you ignore it, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. It rolls and it just like completely crushes you because you just don't have the resources to update your content based on the pace at which you've been publishing new content for a while. So it's something to actually think about sooner than you'd expect so that it doesn't become a major problem, I would say.
1: Okay, cool. I think we just get cracking with some of the, uh, the advice. Maybe. Yeah, let's
0: just actually talk about doing shit.
1: I think the place to start before uh, I sort of alluded to that earlier is when you're actually creating your content, there are several things which you can do to help prevent it from appearing to be out of date or aged. The most obvious one and the most significant one, the easiest one, I think, is when you're talking about dates. So if you have an article, let's say, Best Paintball Guns in 2019... First and foremost, whatever you do, don't put that date 2019 in the URL because that will make it very difficult to change in future. We've we've had experiences where not us but people who were working for us did that, and yeah, it caused some issues.
0: Actually, about that, you know, I was recording the the content uh, creation blueprint and for these posts as well, people do that, so they were putting the the number of list items in the URL, and you could see how many list items they had initially. It's like it was I think it was NodeWallet wallet or something, and they had like eight thing and now it was like a list of like seventy-two items or something. So you can see how people are like one upping each other like crazy and doing some skyscraper and all that.
1: There's some major arms races going on in the <laughs> yes. in the list post. In the
0: list posts, yeah. Yeah. It's like that was one of the things I was like, don't put the number of list items in the URL because eventually you're gonna have like a hundred if it's a converted keyword.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, generally with that, obviously you avoid putting it in the URL. When it comes to the title, though, you'll often see, in fact, in, in most cases where you have a, a roundup review, you know, best paintball guns, for example, then they'll put 2019 in there in, in the title. The reason they do that is because someone searching for the best paintball guns, obviously wants the most up-to-date article, the newest guns and the that are being considered in the recommendation. So if you have the date 2019 in yours and no one else does, then people in most cases are more likely to click on your article. So that's why they do it. It's still worthwhile to, to have it. You just either need to change that date on the 1st of January, which is a royal pain in the ass because there's not really an easy way to do it. You have to go through one by one. I know Gail played around in the past with these mass find and replace plugins. But I mean, if you think through it, wherever you mention 2019 on your website, it's going to change it to 2020. So it was in the context of an article, then maybe it's, you're talking about how you did something in 2019 and then it'll change that if you find and replace everything. It's not
0: just that, but like if a plugin has a file with like 2019, it's like some plugins will actually go and change the files of your site. It can just completely crash the whole thing and destroy it, which I've done once. I had a backup, but yeah. So probably best not to use
1: those kind of plugins. What we do at the moment is we have a short code, square bracket current year. How does it actually work?
0: It's a piece of uh, PHP you put in your functions.php in uh, WordPress, and essentially it just activates that shortcode. So you just anywhere in the content for us, like uh, in the titles, not in the title tags, uh, not in SEO plugins, but it works in uh, any anywhere where the content is processed by WordPress. So anywhere on your site. So the headline inside the content, et cetera, and we just put current year and just um, essentially just uses the calendar, I mean, the date of the website and just pulls the year, you know, and we can do current year, we can do current month, current day, current everything, and, you know, essentially dynamically do all of that, which is really nice. So like midnight zero, 01 on, in January, like all your current year shortcodes show 2020, your page reindexes, indexes boom, shows 2020, and you're picking up that sweet search traffic from, the year modifier, which is like a really powerful one, actually. So you should have your year in your article headline and, you know, whatever is important, like H2s, H3s, whatever, if you want to do that. But, yeah, it's like eventually it gets outdated. I mean, it's like the, the case that like we're using for it for right now, definitely a case of that where uh, there were some pages that were like, oh, best X 2017, and we haven't used this current year stuff. So we're actually, like, um, we're actually updating that site and uh and that's one of the things we implemented actually
1: yeah so i mean that, that's kind of like how it works with uh things like the year in general though when you're writing a piece of content try to compartmentalize or section off each product or each thing that you're you're, you're talking about so that when you inevitably need to to update it you know maybe the product goes out of stock in amazon or then next year you're reviewing five products in a at review, and like next year, as model comes out for one of them in February or something like that, and you need to update it. Then it's much easier to just pick that one section and update, you know, a couple hundred words than it is if you have all of them kind of interwoven throughout every paragraph, every section of your article. So if you just make that like little mental shift, in in most cases, it, it makes it much faster to update things when you need to. Um, in future so kind of have have that at the back of your mind that i wish uh, we had that done you...
0: that when we started torihacker Hacker is probably the um, it's probably the side that's the most messy in writing style in terms of ours in terms of how we write like because it's it's a kind of like written like essays you know like where there's like oh there's pros there's cons there's that etc and just it's almost it's so difficult to update <laughs> it's like that's why nowadays we're focusing more on like Least posts and things that are like you know really broken down per thing because it's like then we can just go back to that section and just rewrite it completely and just leave the rest and it's fine for all the sites we did a decent job at that but like Atori Hacker we were like oh we're just gonna just like talk to the audience etc which you know we definitely should but I think it can be done within a format that's easily updatable. Uh, I wanted to add another thing about the current year stuff. You can actually dynamically insert current year and current months in your title tag and or in your meta description for, I know at least for Yoast and for SEO Press you can do it. You just need to do percentage sign, percentage sign, current year, percentage sign, percentage sign. And it's just automatically going to replace that in your title tag that it serves on the HTML. And you can do that for current months as well. And actually in very competitive serps, So I'm talking like for one of the niches we mentioned earlier, like the hosting niche, et cetera. It's not just current year anymore. Like you actually, everyone's putting current months as well. So it's like, uh, August 2019. It's absolutely not true. Like some pages are like five years old, haven't been touched, etc. But everyone's just putting that, and you know it's going to boost your click through, right? And if you want to compete on these big subs, you essentially have to do it.
1: <laughs> Where does this end? Do we get down to specific hours of the day or something?
0: I don't think hours of the day, but I definitely think the actual date will come at some point because you know now with the um, Webmasters Tool API and just with. Webmasters console, you can get your pages to index really, really fast. So if you build a process where you just essentially have that short code and like midnight zero, <laughs> and you have it ping Google Webmasters <laughs> console and essentially show the date, you might get a better click-through rate. <laughs> now I'm inspiring gener- new generations of uh, black hat people, but uh, it's not really black hat, I guess. Uh, it's gray hat. I would say it's definitely gray hat. But yeah, it isn't like I actually talked about this as well in the uh, blueprints. I was like, headline formulas for roundup reviews and for reviews. And I took like very, very broad customer items. I took like MacBook Pros and, you know, stuff that a lot of people buy, a lot of people search. And everyone, everyone has this in their title tag. You have to have it actually. Otherwise you cannot rank. There's like specific formulas and you pick the most competitive items and you you find it pretty quickly actually. Anyway, that was just to say that on the title tags. But if we go back to sections, you can update quickly. Yes, you need to break it down. And that's why content templates are also quite important explaining why to your writers is also important because if you don't like spend five minutes explaining to them well we're gonna go back to this article and retouch these pieces here and there etc so you need to make these things as independent as possible not make a point and be like oh the point i made in paragraph one of this article this is the what i meant here etc like avoiding these kind of like jump backs and jump forwards it becomes really messy and writers they don't understand the SEO part of it. They don't understand the updating content part of things, et cetera. Most of them, and I hope like not too many writers listen to it, but most of them act like robots where they just like pick the next article and just do it and don't really think about the health of the site in the future. Not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them work that way. And so you, you really need to explain that to them in a very clear way and emphasize it a lot. Otherwise, it will be messed up.
1: But there's another couple of nuances with, with writing and the way that you talk about events. So if I give you one example where it'd say something like last year Apple released the iPhone 10. That is true maybe this year or the year after it happened, but next year and the year after that, it's that statement is going to be untrue. So it's going to show and it's going to highlight to someone who's reading your article quite quickly that your articles may be out of date and that will perhaps lead them to you know click back or you know trust you less or maybe not take your recommendations if you're referring if you're recommending a a product words like anything which highlights time so words like recently or i'm trying to think of any others off the top of my head but i I can't words like recently and and, and things which would position the current events in relation to whatever you're talking about and, and give an indication of how long ago it was
0: for example, avoid any kind of Brexit joke because that's relevant right now. But like by October, by the end of October, we might know what's going to happen to the UK, although probably yeah. not. Or <laughs> saying,
1: you know, blah, blah, blah. I mean, blah, blah, blah. President Trump, blah, blah, blah. I mean, that's true while he's president, but in next year or in five years' time, however long he's, he, when he's eventually, I think, not out of office, not in
0: office, rather. Actually, they still call president, you know? They actually they still have the title.
1: Oh yeah, fair enough,
0: fair enough. So that one doesn't work. Good job. <laughs> but like for example, like and I'm talking to Niall right now. I know he listens to the podcast. He's one of the writers for Tariaka. Making Game of Thrones references, really bad idea. Now it's going to age and it's just going to like really be Dated, and people will see that this is not good. So I
1: never thought uh, of that one actually. Yeah, we, <laughs> we have quite a few of those memes on our uh, our exactly. blog. I can't think of it. Like yeah. all
0: these things are going to age, and it's going to is going to start showing the age of the article. So doing any kind of pop culture reference is risky and dangerous. You know,
1: this doesn't mean write your entire content of your site like completely, totally evergreen, so that nothing will ever be outdated. It'll get a bit boring if you don't have any pop culture references on it. So you know, weigh up the pros and cons of these things, but just consider it. That's all we're saying as you're creating content.
0: For example, Lewis was always making mentions of his girlfriend. And since nobody knows her, that works, you know. <laughs> but <laughs> So he was like doing these kind of like funny references, but they didn't really age. They they age really well. That's the kind of like you can make funny personal references, etc. that will age a lot better than like pop culture or anything that's like currently in the news or something like that. Like, like I'm always making stupid Brexit jokes these days. And uh, I should not because it makes stuff look older really quickly when the UK is finally like stopping article 50 you know so <laughs> let's talk about publish date now I think published date is is a quite important thing in terms of uh, updating content in terms of like showing how old your content is etc so the classic way in WordPress is your publish date just shows whenever you publish the article on the article. We have switched, and we were not the first ones to switch. Uh, Glenn Asloff from Detail.com now, but like ViperChill as well, if you know him, has talked a lot about publish date in a fast. I past. think,
1: by the way, he emailed us, I think, to say we didn't link to him in that article. We did about it or something like that. So p- apologies if you're listening, Glenn. Probably not, but I think we need to we need to sort that out anyway. But yeah, credit where credit's due.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think he's a he's one of the first guys that really like pushed it forward. So it's like we didn't invent that or anything. This article was mostly about like sharing our experience doing it, you know, which is why I like share the analytics, et etc. Uh, but we switched to last updated date. So essentially, every time we are touching this article in any shape or form, the date on the article changes. It can be deceiving because I could literally just fix a comma on the article and press update in WordPress. And it will update the date. Um, does this mean this article is fully up to date? Probably not but that's the way we've set it up technically. We have the plugin, et cetera. It's on authorityhacker.com slash google dash freshness, I think. You can check that out. But Google gives you an incredible boost in your rankings for having a recent date as the published date and giving away the schema data with it so that Google can like parse it, et cetera. It's just crazy. Like I remember, like we don't rank for this anymore, so I can say it. We used to rank for this uh, Venus Factor review when it was like super hot on ClickBank. This page used to make like Good days would make almost thousand dollars a day. It, just from that one review, basically. And I remember like we were like we were often number one for this, but like we would it would be quite fierce the competition. So we'd like go down up to like seven, like between one and seven, it would just like reshift every day. And I remember like boosting the rankings back was as easy as changing the published date and or adding a sentence and changing the published date. And the rankings would just jump back up pretty much immediately or like within a few hours, especially if I re-index the page. So publish data is an incredible ranking factor. I, don't ask me why it's so powerful. I think it's stupid. But that's an observation that a lot of people share. It's not just us. So I would recommend that you switch to this while Google gives it a massive boost. I don't think it's abusive, provided you actually update your content when you use it, when you just essentially just change the publish date. Yeah, like this is slightly gray hat issue, essentially making a change just to, in fact, influence Google rankings. But it's kind of their fault also for using it so, uh, so strongly. But if you your content is really powerful and it's a really easy change to make, I know a lot of people that have implemented that after we've published this article and have had good results just be careful to implement it properly. We implement it with Elementor. If you don't implement it with Elementor, it can be a bit tricky because sometimes you get two published dates, one from the WordPress team, one from the plugin. So you need to be careful you don't have that. Otherwise you could be running into a bit of trouble, but the way we do it with the team builder in Elementor has worked perfectly for everyone I've talked to. So yeah, published date, quite powerful. I know some people actually remove the publish date altogether. I guess it's like Publish date is like one of these things where you get a bonus when you're recent, but you get a malice when you're old or something. So kind of depends how you want to do it. Personally, it's it's like if you're going to have this content update process in your company anyway, like you might as well have a publish date. I think you can get some extra rankings for this.
1: Speaking of content process, up content update processes in your company, um, like I, we can't we have no way of doing a poll right now to everyone who's listening but i'm i'm pretending we're doing one, and i'm going to say like hands up if you have a meeting booked for your next content update audit um, and I, I want to guess like one percent of people have their hands up right now most people don't consider this they leave it until it becomes like a real problem in which case and by by the time it gets to that point and we're speaking from personal experience. It's so much harder and more expensive and just a pain in the ass to fix. So preempt this as much as you can. Set a regular date annually if you're just starting out or if you have a big site, then maybe you want to do it quarterly or even monthly. But whatever it, whatever it is, just set that date in your calendar. Go do it right now. Put that date in. And then on that day, have a meeting and run through your content and basically pull up. If you have a, the best thing to do is have a list of all your blog posts, all your content articles in a Google doc or something, a sheet rather. And then just go through them, open them up one by one, check them and decide what you need to do. Do they need a a quick kind of refresh, minor update? Does any of the content need need changed? Uh, Does it need a major update, like complete rewrite? One of the things we'll talk about that, I think Gail will talk about that next, is search intent, um, something that changes over time. So you need to actually look at that and see if you're still targeting the correct search intent in, in, in your content as well. So all of these things you need to take into account. You need to, to look at whether your current piece of content is fit for purpose. And then if it's not, take action, schedule, rewrites, schedule um, editors, writers to go through and fix them and, and update them. So just having this process and having this t- time set aside in advance so you know you have to do a s- set time will, will force you to do it because it's a very difficult thing. It's, it never feels like it's an urgent thing. So we've we found from, from personal experience that...
0: Personally, I do that at the end of the year. So like in December, like everyone's going on holiday. We don't really have big projects coming up, etc. And in general, it's like my December is spent looking at what, the numbers of the year, looking at what we have making the inventory and planning for next year basically that's that's basically I don't really achieve anything in december other than that but i think it's a good time to look at it when you a lot of your staff will be away when you want to have like a more mellow rhythm of work around the holidays and so on is the kind of stuff that you can do it's a good time of the year to do that i think we should do it more than once a year don't have time to do it more than once a year. Uh, so you do it the way you want. But I personally think it's a it's a good December thing to do, to do this planning. It's between the crew, the holidays when you see your people, et cetera. And also at the same time at which you're looking at your numbers. So it's like it's good to look at the end of the year, be like, okay, how well did we do this year? What was good, what was bad, et cetera. And around the same time if you are your content audit, especially if you're able to tie it back to which pieces of content generated leads, generated sales, et cetera, then it's it's a much better. To essentially tie it back to your bottom line, to revenue, rather than just like how well does it rank or da, 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 et cetera.
1: It's also the changing of from one year to the other does affect a lot of content and in making it feel older, as we've talked about in in this podcast. So that also means it's a good time to to look at these things and kind of preempt that from happening as well.
0: Yeah, I like it. It's a it's a good December activity. December just playing next year's project. It's quite motivating as well. Like essentially stacking up work for like to start in January, and so like you can use that kind of like genuine motivation to just crank on a lot of this stuff. And also because you get quick wins, updating content, like you get much quicker wins than let's say publishing new content as I said at the beginning of the episode. These quick wins are a great way to essentially make you feel like you're having a great start of the year that there's a lot of opportunity. So it's kind of like a self-management tool as well to get results early and to do these things. And so I like the idea of like getting early wins at the beginning of the year, getting to six figures as fast as possible. Can I get this before the end of January or something, like this kind of stuff. This is the kind of stuff that will build momentum for the rest of the year and will motivate you to tackle bigger projects as well. So we're getting a little bit of content updates, but not really. But if you want on these quick wins, it's, it's, it's quite powerful. And managing yourself is probably a very important thing in SEO that nobody really talks about. Let's talk about search intent now. So it's something that has always existed. When we did the data study, when we scraped like 1.1 million Google search results, Essentially, you know, we found a bunch of like ranking factors, etc. Links are still super important and so on. But one thing that always trumped everything, every rule, is search intent. So if you, like, if you are searching for, I don't know, like a coffee shop next to you or like a, a specific coffee shop. Let's say I'm looking for like Starbucks, and then Google is just gonna look at my IP, look at where I am, and return like map results or you know the site of Starbucks that's next to me or something. No other site, no matter how many links they have, how many domain rating they have, et cetera, can outrank that result that makes the most sense to my query. And that's what search intent is. Search intent is just what is it you want? And I will ignore every other SEO rule if I have an idea of what of this is what you want, basically. So it works for brand as well. Otherwise, imagine if you have a tiny brand, like you have a domain rating 20 site. My brand is called, uh, I'm thinking about like an ex client of our agency. I don't know if I should say that. Her site was called, I'm not even sure it exists still, her site was called uh, yogapals.com. It was kind of like um, these yoga mats for, like, you wear it as gloves, basically, so you don't have to have a yoga mat to do yoga, but tiny brand, right? And she was selling on Amazon as well. So according to SEO rules, the Amazon page should definitely rank above her website for Yoga Pals because, you know, more links, because all of that. And uh, that would never be the case, and that's the case for any kind of brand inquiry, because Google identifies, if I type yoga pose in Google, that I'm looking for this brand's website, and Amazon's going to show like at the bottom of page one or something, but they will never be outranked. Same for us. We have some reviews of products on Notorious Hacker where we have higher DR than them, but we don't rank above them. You know, We rank for their brand name, maybe like middle of page one, et cetera, but we won't rank above them. So that's search intent. And that search intent is becoming, actually, more and more prominent as AI develops with Google. So. You can do some tests if you want. So for example, if you type in Google movie where a teenager goes back in the past, it's not going to like search for that keyword. It's actually going to find the movies where the plot is that. And it understands your search, and that It's going to give you movie results, essentially, that match the plot that you're typing. So as this is getting more prominent, Google is essentially determining what type of content should rank for which query and making an editorial decision more and more rather than just relying on links and on keyword density and all these things. They're just deciding this is what you want.
1: When we say deciding, it's not like they're having some meeting and a bunch of people are getting together. It's all algorithmic, right? So it's, it's sort of based on user behavior and that change how that changes
0: over time. So. Exactly. And we don't really know how that's done, right? Nobody really knows how that's done, right? Uh, my theory is that I mean, first of all, let's talk about content template and content style, right? So now nowadays, when you Google a query, you will most often than not find the same type of content ranking for that query. So let's, if I type, for example, diet tips or like weight loss tips, then most most posts will be list posts. There will be like a, like you know like twenty six tips to lose weight, etc. If I search for graphics card most likely I'm going to get, I'm not sure what I'll get, but maybe I'll get like all econ. But basically what you see is that most pages on a given search result follow that same format. And that's kind of search intent as well, where Google is like, okay, that query matches, this is the kind of content people want, right? And they're deciding that. Now, again, algorithmically. My idea of how they probably do that is they probably still look at links. So they probably like look at, like let's say, the top 100 pages that match this query up as per the old algorithm. And then they look at which ones have the most links, put them in buckets. They're like, okay, these posts in total have like a thousand links, and then maybe how to posts have like five hundred links, etc. And they're like, okay, it seems like most list posts get the most links, so that's probably the content type that people want for that query. Boom, let's just like uh, make more list posts be favored for that query. And I'm saying all of this to say that we've had that a lot on our sites where our content was not matching the. F- content format that was ranking for that query anymore and we have a lot of content that used to rank really high that did not rank really high anymore and it was a big drop so an example i'm going to give an auto hacker example because this one everyone knows we used to rank quite high for like how to make money blogging like really like we used to even we used to be number one to four depending on the countries and time of the year etc etc and That content tanked to like position 40 to 70, probably like a year and a half ago, two years ago. And this content was interesting because it was not matching anything that was ranking. Everything that was ranking was how to start a blog and then how to monetize it with like ads and affiliate marketing. Basically, exactly like basic, basic how to start a blog type stuff. And because these guys have so much links, essentially they've, they've told Google decided, well, that's what seems to be what people want. And so... Only this kind of content was ranking, despite the fact that, you know, link-wise, we're not the number one, but we were doing okay, you know? And losing these rankings actually kind of like made us lose a bit of ground. But that piece of content on Atari Hacker was not that. That piece of content on Atari Hacker was we took all the income reports for as many bloggers as we could find, and we tried to break it down and do some stats to be like how they're making money with their blogs, you know? And I think that was a really cool piece of content. I really liked it. Uh, I was pretty proud of it. And Google just fucking slammed it. It was terrible. We were getting very little traffic to it anymore, despite the fact that the community absolutely loved that piece of content. It was a hit piece on Notorious Hacker. So I was like, well, fuck it. If nobody's reading this anymore, let's try something. So we've taken that same URL, and I've asked Niall to write a piece that's just matching close enough, like still without selling our soul to the devil. We're not promoting Bluehost on this, etc. Which might be why we're not ranking as high. But with Authority Hacker Advice match the format of what was ranking on Google. And we've done that and I won't say we were back exactly where we were, but that piece of content is often on page one now. Bottom of page one, like, you know, I see it between 11 and 7 most of the time. So I think we've lost a bit of ground on links and I think just, the competition is tougher as well. So there's that as well. But that went from 40 to 70 to 11 to seven without any extra link to that page, nothing else, just replacing that content completely and matching the the type of format that Google wanted. Now, it's not a success story that shows you, oh, we shot to number one or something, but it definitely shows a trend here that Google is expecting specific formats. And if you match them, you will be rewarded with traffic. And that's why tools like Surfer SEO, like Cora and all these other tools that essentially look at the top ranking pages and tell you just model after them, are very popular and getting a lot of success right now because Google is essentially leaning towards that, i call it Me Too content, it made me laugh, um, but like it's essentially just copying what's ranking right now. And that is search intent. So It's very likely when you do your content audit that you will find this. You will find these pieces of content that used to rank really well and have tanked completely. And then if you just rewrite them, matching what's ranking on page one, you will get massive bumps in traffic. I think that page gets three to four times more traffic on Autority Hacker right now. Again, we could do still better, I think, but it is something that you need to be aware when you rewrite your content and something that Google puts a lot more weight on these days than before. Like we used to rank with this page, not because it was matching the format, but because it had really good link metrics, because it was a really good page. And now Google just said, well, we don't care about your links because you don't measure search intent. So be careful of that, basically. So that was a long rant. You can take over now.
1: OK, so the final point around updating content, I'd say, is listen to your audience. This is something which if you're not running these regular kind of audits, or even if you are like in between them, you will occasionally get like a little signal from your audience that something something's not up. Usually what happens is that when there's a problem, when something's out of date, when the demo site on the Amazon article or something is, is broken. Hundred or so people will will have a look at it, and ninety nine or ninety nine point nine percent of them even will be like, "Oh, it doesn't work. The site sucks. Hit the back button or go go elsewhere." The one person out of a thousand that does take the time to actually find your contact form, your email address, message you, leave a comment, any of these ways of getting in touch, and says, "Hey, this is out of date." Don't just discount that as someone you know trying to do broken link building or you know trying to get in touch with you or take up your time or whatever. Often the people who are expressing that have, have valid concerns. of a much bigger amount of people. So I just say like pay attention to that. And uh, yeah, whenever whenever someone says there's an issue, then put that to the top of your list to to update because it's usually a lot more people will be feeling that.
0: So actually, Kevin from uh, Epic Gardening, he built a customer satisfaction measure that I definitely want to copy. So it's really cool. Basically, at the end of the article, it's like, oh, was this article helpful? Yes or no? I think he has like thumbs up and thumbs down. And if you do thumbs up, it says, great, I'm glad you like the article. Can you please share it on your social media? So he gets some like promotion for his content, which is really smart. But if people put a thumb down, then it essentially opens a form that says, what was wrong with the article. And I think that's really powerful because it allows people to you it crowdsources your updates basically. It tells you what's wrong with your content from people who read it and are interested enough to read it. And I think that's like I think someone needs to build a plugin for this where you essentially just put this at the bottom of your content. Did, did he build it himself? Yeah, he's he custom built it.
1: Yeah, it's kinda of, it's kinda of like net promoter score for blog content, really. That's quite smart.
0: Yeah. So I definitely want to do that on our site. I, I really think it's a, it's powerful. It will both get you traffic, social shares, etc., and it will help you identify essentially the contents with the most complaints are the ones that should be the highest on your update list. And you know there could be a plugin that literally just gives you that list and with the stats and everything, and you just go and like put this in your editorial queue and just update or like be like, oh, when there's a threshold of more than 0.5% complaint on an article, then it, it's automatically queued for updating because that's a lot actually. Like one in 200% actually complaining about the article is a lot on a piece of content. So I think I think something like that needs to be built. I definitely want to like explore this for ourselves. If you want to build that plugin, like get in touch with us, maybe we'll talk to you. <laughs> maybe we'll market it with you or something. But that's definitely something I want to build on our site. I think that would be quite powerful. So um, we're actually at the end of the list and uh, I see on the notes that we were supposed to give a shout out to our webinar. So I'm going to do this now in uh, the most casual and uh, non-obvious way. <laughs> so, yeah, guys, uh, if you like what we're talking about in this podcast, we actually have a webinar with like, I think I talk for like two hours on like how to start new authority sites. It does sell you one of our courses at the end, but the training is free and it's quite valuable. We got a lot of really positive feedback on this. Actually, you know, I gave a shout out to this in previous podcasts and uh, I got a few emails actually of people that went through it and um, and really enjoyed it. So if you want to check this out, go check it out. Just be warned, you will be sold the course at the end. It's still a great course, but uh, the training is free. Regardless of whether you buy something or not, you get some pretty good information. If you want more information on that, to get it, just go to notaryhacker.com and the big button on top, just click on it and put your email If you want updates on H Pro as well, when we're done, we will probably do a launch. After two years, I think it's not too frequent, so I think we can do that. It's coming
1: soon, guys. If you want to be the first to be notified when Authority Hacker Pro is available, if you're not already on our email list, you can actually go to authorityhacker.com slash pro, and there's a sign-up form there where you can get notified.
0: That's about it for this podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. If you did and you're not subscribed, then we are also on iTunes. Spotify, pretty much everywhere, like Google Podcasts, everywhere you want. Just type Atari Hacker, find us, subscribe so that you don't miss another episode. If you really enjoyed this episode, you can also drop us a review. And we're going to thank you for listening and wish you a really good week. Bye.